0: Welcome to the Lex City Church podcast. To learn more about the ministries of Lex City, please visit LexCity.Church.
1: Well, good morning. How are you guys doing today? All right, that's good, that's good. My name is Zach. I'm one of the pastors here. We are concluding a series called This Is Your Calling. And really when we talk about our calling, it's referring to the fact that we all have a calling to care about people to care about people that are Christ followers, to care about people that are far from God, because people matter to God, they should matter to us. And so the kind of the the question for us today is when we talk about our mission statement being to know, follow, and share Jesus, how do we care about sharing that with other people? What does that look like for us? And so you can go to lexi.info, click on message notes, follow along there as well today. But there was a movie, great movie, it's an old movie, it was called Field of Dreams. It starred Kevin Costner. Incredible movie. If, you don't, if you've never seen it before, Kevin Costner plays a farmer in the middle of a cornfield in Iowa. And he's basically told to build a baseball diamond. And then James Earl Jones in his big booming voice says the famous phrase, if you build it, they will come, right? Every young person's like, I don't even know what you're talking about right now. But it's a great movie, okay? So it's a great movie and a great line, all right? it doesn't really transfer really well to the church. Like, you can't just build a church building and they will come. Most people won't come unless someone invites them. Most people don't wake up on a Sunday morning and say, I'm just gonna drive around the city till I find a church. They don't do that, right? So I'm gonna give us one statement that we're gonna look at today, and I pray that it really sinks in to your heart and you'll embrace the reality of this truth, and it's this. You have no idea how one conversation... One word of encouragement or one expression of love might change someone's life. You have no idea how God might use one word, one moment, one generous expression in the life of another person to love them towards the grace of Jesus. Now by a show of hands, how many of you guys would consider yourselves influencers? I'm an influencer. Like a few hands, some people were doing like the half hand thing, like, like a half influencer, right? I truly believe that our culture today has hijacked the term influencer. What I mean by this is I went on Google and I researched what an influencer was, and I was hoping to find all of these things and all these articles. And here was a definition that I came up with. The first thing that I saw online was this. An influencer is an individual who has the power to affect purchase decisions of others because of their authority, knowledge, or relationship with their audience. And I was like, really? Like that's what an influencer is? someone who influences purchase decisions because of the number of followers they have on a social media account. I'm confused because when I was growing up, an influencer was oftentimes a teacher, a coach, a good parent was an influencer, a good friend was an influencer, someone who taught your Sunday school class was an influencer. And today, unfortunately, culture has kind of hijacked the term and many people would say an influencer is a celebrity, a content creator, someone who's amassed a great number of followers on social media. And I looked for other articles and I really couldn't find anything that wasn't had to do with being an influencer on social media. So what I'm gonna do today for a few minutes is kind of try to reclaim the word influencer. And I want you to see yourself as an influencer because you have no idea how God could use one word of encouragement that you give to someone else, one moment or one expression of faith to change someone's life. So for those of you watching and listening today that are disciples of Jesus, I know not everybody's at that point in their life and that's okay, I'm just glad that you're here. You're welcome here no matter where you fall on your kind of spiritual path and your spiritual journey. But for those of you that are disciples of Jesus, I want to show you exactly what Jesus says that you are. He uses two metaphors in Matthew chapter five. It says this, you are the salt of the earth, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So let's reclaim the true meaning, what it means to be an influencer. I'm I'm, I'm not against influencers in culture. I think that's great. If you can influence culture for the positive on social media, that's awesome. But the problem with our current view of influence is that typically it starts with Platform, the size of your platform determines the scope of your influence. Now, I think truthfully, it starts with something different. True and lasting influence always starts with people before platform. It always starts with people. And the good news is that all of you have people in your sphere of influence that you come in contact with every single day. You are called to be an influencer. For those of you that have accepted Christ at some point in your life, Think about the moments, the, the weeks, the months, the years leading up to that moment. How many people, by something they said or something they did, influenced that decision in your life? If you were in church, you grew up in church, maybe think about that kid's pastor that talked to you. Maybe think about your small group leader. Think about that youth pastor. Think about that friend that came in a time of crisis in your family, and they were there for you the whole time, and they prayed for you, and they brought you meals and they did all of these things. I think about in my life, I was fortunate enough to have parents who loved Jesus, who raised us in a certain way, but I had to make a decision on my own to accept Christ or not. But they influenced that with their words, with their, with their character, with their consistency, with their faithfulness. I had a youth pastor who saw something inside of me before I ever saw it in myself and said, you're going to be in full-time ministry someday. And I said, you're crazy. And there were people all along the way that influenced in my life. The same thing is probably true for all of you. You have no idea what one word of encouragement might do to influence someone. Understand this, influence isn't always obvious and influence isn't always instant. Just because you don't see a harvest doesn't mean that your seed didn't take root. You have no idea how God might use you in one moment to plant a seed that will grow into real and lasting influence in the life of somebody that you love. In fact, I want to show you a story today and the, the most unlikely influencer. it's perhaps in the New Testament. The story takes place in John chapter 4. And it's about a woman that nobody ever thought would have influence. The context of the story is that Jesus was on a trip, he was on this journey, and he was going to pass through Samaria, which seemed like an unusual stop for his disciples because they were like, hey, why would you want to interact with Samaritans? Because Samaritans were half Jewish, half Gentile, and the Jews hated the Samaritans, believed they were less than human, even worse than dogs. scripture talks about. So as a Jew, you would never interact with Samaritan, especially a Samaritan woman. Well, once again, Jesus shocks everybody, and he sat down by a well in the middle of the day in order to rest, and a Samaritan woman comes up to him, and Jesus asks her for a drink. He dignifies her by starting a conversation, and she's thrown completely off guard. So in John chapter 4, it says that she was surprised, she was shocked, she was overwhelmed, she's beside herself. And it says this in verse 9 The woman was surprised, for Jews refuse to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. Jesus is like, Yeah, I know who we are. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, If you only knew the gift, God has for you and you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. At this point, she's intrigued but confused. She says, sir, but you don't have a bucket and the well is very deep. How can I I get you water? He responds in verse 13. He says, anyone who drinks this water will soon be thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. The woman notices something is different about this man. And she says, please, sir, may I have some living water? And he replies in verse 16. Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus says, you're right, you don't have a husband, for you've had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Sir, the woman says, you must be a prophet. So there wasn't a, a Jewish man that would anywhere that would interact with this woman. Jesus approaches her with love in his heart and dignifies her and honors her all the time knowing she was an outcast in her own community. Divorced five times and now she's shacking up with somebody. And now in our day and age, this would raise eyebrows, we'd be like, I don't know about that, but in their day and age, she would have been shunned. She would have been the woman that everybody whispered about. She would have been the woman that says, keep your husband away from her. She's nothing but bad news. And Jesus knowing all of that, doesn't look at her as this immoral woman, but instead a miracle just waiting to happen knowing that a touch from heaven could completely change her heart. And it dawns on her, and she's like, wait a minute. We've heard that there would be a, this Messiah coming. I've heard it perhaps about this man that's doing miracles and raising dead and, and, and opening blind eyes. Why would a Jewish man speak to me, show me honor and respect? and know everything about my life. Perhaps this is the one we've been waiting for. This is the one we've been praying for. Perhaps this is the Messiah, and she leaves her water, and she runs back to the village. And the Bible says it directly like this in verse 28. The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village, telling everyone, come and see. A man who told me everything I ever did, could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. So what do we see in this powerful story? First of all, no matter how bad your life is messed up, you're not too far gone for the love of Jesus to reach your life. Then we see the town outcast, the one that everybody was whispering about, going in and enthusiastically telling people this may be the one, this broken woman, this messed up woman, the woman everybody whispered about, the one that had been called this immoral woman, immediately becomes an influencer. You don't have to have your life all together to influence someone for Christ. You don't have to know it all. You don't have to have a seminary degree. You don't have to pray powerful, impressive prayers. You don't have to know exactly what scripture you're quoting at the exact location in the Bible. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have it all together. You don't have to have all the things fixed in your life to be an influencer. You just have to know who Jesus is and care about the people around you. And you can immediately be a light in this world and salt to those around you. You just have to care about people. You don't need 4,000 followers to have a platform. You need to care about the person who's right in front of you because you are an influencer. You just let salt do what salt does. Listen, you have no idea how one word of encouragement, one word of hope, one expression of love might influence someone towards Jesus. Jesus. So this woman goes back and she tells everybody, the disciples came back to Jesus and it says that they're hungry, which is funny to me because like I'm hungry right now. And they said, have you eaten, Jesus? And Jesus goes like spiritual on him. He says, my food is to do the will of God. And he's like in your face. So this is like the first literal Jesus juke, like Jesus juked them, right? And then he said, the field is ripe for harvest. He uses a farming metaphor and the harvest was always about changed lives. He said... The field is ripe for harvest, but the laborers are few. For our purposes today, we could say it this way. Listen, church, the field is ripe for harvest, but the influencers are few. Don't let culture rob you from your calling by categorizing influencers as someone only as social media. It doesn't start with a platform. It starts with the person right in front of you. You are an influencer. So the woman goes back into her town, tells everybody the next part, The story says this in verse 39. Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, He told me everything I ever did. When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. So he stayed for two days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. Who did God use? Not the Instagram star, not a professional athlete, not a celebrity, not a content creator—just a regular, just a regular, ordinary, broken, messed-up person who has been transformed by coming in contact with Jesus. You have inf- you have influence exactly where you are. You don't have to have your whole life together to have influence. You are an influencer. You have no idea what word of encouragement, one expression of love can mean to someone else who needs just a very small touch of God's love. So when you're here and you greet somebody at church, when you help them feel uh, comfortable when they're uncomfortable and nervous, you just feel love, you're an influencer. When you listen to somebody at work that's sharing about their hard life or what they're walking through, but you don't judge them for that, you just meet them right where they're at, and you love them right where they're at, you're an influencer. When you post a scripture or you repost a sermon clip, you have no idea the person that needs to hear that and how you can influence that. Do not let culture's definition rob you from God's calling. If you know Jesus, you are salt and you are light. Let salt do what it does, let your light shine because God has created you to influence others for the love of Jesus. So for the rest of the sermon today, I want to get a little bit more practical today because one of the most powerful ways you can be an influencer for Jesus is to actually invite someone to church. Christianity has always been an invitation-dependent faith. Go back to the beginning in the Gospel of John, chapter 1, Andrew meets Jesus, and his world is turned upside down. The next thing he does is he goes to Peter, and the text says he brought him to Jesus. He brought Peter to a place where Peter could find out about Jesus. Then we read about Philip, and Philip meets Jesus, and his world is also rocked. he goes to Nathanael, and he says to Nathanael, come and see, come and see. I want you to come to a place where you can learn and see more about Jesus. That's what believers do. Christ followers for over 2,000 years have been going to after those that are seeking something and wanting to bring them to a place where they can learn about Jesus. For some of you, this is what you live out every day, every week of your life. And you're amazing at this. And God's given you this calling and and he's given you this skill set to do that and a passion for it. But for most people, this is something that you've never done. And it terrifies you to think about asking someone to come to church or to have a spiritual conversation with someone who is far from God. So Today, I want to give you five principles of how you can be an effective inviter. But before I do that, we made a video this week about kind of some ways not to invite. So maybe things you could steer clear of when you invite someone from church. So check this out. Hey, come on the church. Hey, you, come on the church. And
0: you, come on the church. And you, come on the church. Scott, how you doing?
1: Good, man, what's going
0: on? Not, not much, buddy. You, you sure you're doing all right? Yeah, ma'am. Just
1: wash well,
0: the dishes. Well, today God came to me in a vision, actually, and spoke to me and said that you've been sinning quite a bit and you actually need to come to church. So would you like to come to church with me?
1: Thanks, sir. Have a great night. You're, you're
0: not going to leave a tip? Oh, no. Here's a tip. Why don't you come to church? You can do you some good. Yeah, I have a scripture for you today. And I saw a beast rising out of the sea with ten horns and seven heads, with ten diadems on its horns and blasphemous names on its heads. Hey brother, I see you washing those dishes, but have you been washing the blood of the Lamb? I'd like to get you to church. Would you like to come? Was given a mouth uttering haughty and blasphemous words, and it was allowed to exercise authority for 42 months. 42 months. Hey, let me yeah. ask you a question. Would you like to come to church with me? Because we're actually going to be partaking in the body of Christ and his blood. Communion? You ever heard of it? Come on. Apply to all of LGs. Hey, Zach. Come to church? Hey, Zach. Come to church? Zachy, come to the church. 9, 3, come on. Hey! Ooh. Come to the church. It performs great signs, even making fire come down the people of earth and heaven in front of those people. And by the saints, it is a lot of work in his presence of the beasts that deceives those who dwell on earth. There's a lot more. Would you like to come to the church with me and actually hear this for yourself?
1: So there's some examples of what not to do, but it did work because Matt invited me and I'm here today, so he was persistent. But here I'm going to give you guys five principles uh, today that are pretty practical, just how to be an effective inviter. The first one is this, never say no for anyone. And this principle is is fundamental to the spread of the gospel in the New Testament. People who everybody else gave up on, Jesus didn't. And the gospel spread so quickly because the sea got scattered everywhere. And so tax collectors and Samaritans and lepers and sinners and Gentiles and people that everybody else was was sure they would say no to God, they said yes to Jesus. You just never know. And for a myriad of reasons, we say no to telling someone about Jesus or inviting them to church where they can hear about Jesus, right? We make up all the reasons in our head why they're going to say no so then we convince ourselves to not even ask. Things like, well, their kids are in sports and their weekends are crazy, so they'll never say yes, so we're just not going to ask them, right? Or, oh, I know that guy plays golf every Sunday morning, so he's never going to say yes to church. Or, I know that that family really likes to party super late on the weekends, and so they're probably sleeping in on Sundays, so we shouldn't invite them. Or, I I just don't know what to say. So instead of opening my mouth and looking like a fool to them, I'm just not going to say anything, so I'm just not going to invite them at all. And so we say no for someone, But I can tell you from from being involved in church for years and years and years, I've seen it so many times, you just never know when you invite someone what they're going to say. You never know what crisis they're walking through, the hurts that they're feeling, you never know what's going on in that family where they just need someone to invite them and they're willing to say yes. You never know when a hurt will open a door, you never know when a heart is going to soften. You never know what God can do, and so don't ever say no for anyone. Number two, to be an effective inviter is this. Put yourself in the shoes of the person you are inviting. This is important because a lot of us, we've been in church for so long, we've actually forgotten what it's like to be new to something. Forgotten what it's like to walk in and be a stranger to the whole church thing and to not really know anybody. So when you invite someone to church, Offer to pick them up, offer to drive together, at least offer to meet in the parking lot, right? It's both the gesture of friendship and it makes it more likely that somebody will feel comfortable to actually come. Another thing that's helpful is to get something in their hands. It's the reason we have invite cards. The reason we have invite cards for this wilderness series we're starting in two weeks, it's a physical reminder after you invite them that they have in their kitchen or whatever and it reminds them of what you're asking them to come be a part of. Then after church, offer to take them out to lunch. It's a great way right, from a friendship standpoint, but then also to debrief on their experience what they thought about church today. The third principle to be an effective inviter is this. Invitation is a process, not a one-time event. The deal is not that you invite somebody one time and you're like, man, that's it. I'm crushing this inviting thing, right? It's a process. I have been inviting one of my next-door neighbors for almost five years to church. Has he come yet? No. Am I offended? No. We're good friends. We talk all the time. We do the neighbor-like man thing where I'm like, nice line lawns, buddy. And we like talk about our yard and we talk about our cars and we talk about golf and we talk about life. And, and so I've been asking him probably no less than 15 times, like love to see you at church sometime. He knows I'm a pastor. He knows what I do. And then we, we talked about two weeks ago, one of the days, and I invited him again And he looked at me and he said, Do you know that I'm Jewish? I said, Great. He said, Do you go to temple? He's like, No. I was like, well, then you're not going to church anywhere, anyways. And he's made me a problem. He said, okay, the next time you preach, I'll come. He's not here today because I'm preaching on inviting, okay? But I'm inviting him to the wilderness series when I preach during that series. And I'm praying that he'll come. It's a process. I don't, I don't ask him every week. I'm not the too persistent guy. But when it feels right, in the context of our relationship, I invite him. And that's the context that matters, the relationship. When you actually care about someone, when you listen to them, when you talk to them about life and things that are important to both of you, when you've had that kind of relational depth, you can have periodic invitations but not peppering them all the time. Number four is this. Be creative in what you invite them to. Obviously, Sunday morning is the most logical, obvious choice for an invitation, but it's also wise to get creative in what you invite people to based on how well that you know them. For example, if you know one of your neighbors or coworkers or friends and they're struggling with parenting, they're struggling with their marriage, whatever it is, we have events like we had yesterday called family talks where you can come. And learn how to be a better parent, how to be a better spouse. Like we talked yesterday about how do you help as a parent with your kids' mental health. And what's a guide for that? What does it look like? You can invite them to that. Maybe you know they love to volunteer. Invite them to a City Read Saturday where they can come and lock arms with you and serve our city together. Maybe you know that they have kids and they would love a Lego night. Invite them to Lego night. Maybe you know they want to start a tradition at Christmas. Invite them to the Christmas show that we do. There's a lot of things you can invite them to and be creative. And the last principle, and probably the most important one to be an effective inviter is this. Keep your heart right and pray bold prayers. Keep your heart right, guard your heart. Do we need you to keep it soft and to have written on your heart that lost people matter to God and they matter to me. So pray bold prayers. I've been praying for my neighbor for almost five years. The cool part about it is, it's not up to you. God is the one that transforms. We're asked to do our part, which our part is to pray, our part is to be in relationship, our part is to invite, our part is to be willing and ready at any moments notice to have a spiritual conversation. But we don't save anybody, that's God's job. That's the Holy Spirit working. It's the reason we created this wilderness series because we're trying to give you guys an easy on-ramp to invite someone to a series. We call we named it that for a reason: wilderness, hope, and a barren land. Every one of us, whether you're a Christ follower or you're not, we've all walked through wilderness seasons. That will resonate with your friend who is far from God. They're walking through a wilderness season, most likely in their life right now. And remember, you are all influencers. We all have a part to play in the Great Commission. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Our church's mission statement, who we are, is to know, follow, and share Jesus. We do a really great job of knowing him and following him, but we can't skip that last part. We have to share Jesus. That's the whole point of the gospel, right? We have the greatest news on planet Earth. Why would we keep that in? And so whether you're sharing it, like physically having a conversation, or you're bringing them, just like Scripture says, come and see Jesus. That's what Sunday morning is about, is to invite someone to come and see Jesus. If they come here, they will find Jesus. And we all have the ability to be influencers. And we all have a sphere of influence in our jobs, in our schools, in our communities, in our neighborhoods. And so I want to challenge all of us over the next couple of weeks to begin to identify and pray for at least one person that you can invite to church in the next couple of weeks. And then ask God to give you the courage because people matter to God, they should matter to us. So as we close this morning, just bow your heads, close your eyes, nobody looking around. This is just your opportunity between you and God. And the reason I have us close our eyes and bow our heads is because it's just less distractions, right? just between you and God right now, if your life is like mine, it's probably been crazy with job stuff and parenting things and all this stuff, and it's hard to find these moments where you can just kind of sit and have a moment between you and God. And maybe you're here today, you're watching online right now, and you would say, you know what, when you talk about this know and follow thing, I don't think I have a relationship with Jesus yet. And I realize that right now, I'm kind of just living for myself and I didn't really know there was a bigger purpose or a bigger calling on my life and I don't think I have a relationship with Jesus. And I, and I, I have moments where I feel hopeless and I feel empty and I'm just living for my success, for my career, my identity and all these things, my reputation. I wanna encourage you that there is a void in your heart that can only be filled by a relationship with Jesus. And it says in Romans 5, 8, it says this, but God demonstrates his love for us in this while Christ died for you. What that that verse means is that God knows all of my sin, all of my junk, all of my mistakes. And he knows all of yours as well. And in spite of that, he loves you Unconditionally, like no person ever could. And he takes it one step further. He wants a relationship with you through his son, Jesus. So if you're here right now, with nobody looking around, every head bowed, every eye closed, and you would just say, man, that's me. I want a relationship with Jesus. I'll tell you right now, God is drawing you into a relationship with him right now. If you would say, that's me, I want to pray a prayer. I want to ask Christ to come into my heart for the very first time with nobody looking around. If that's you today, just lift up your hand so I can know who I'm praying with. Just lift your hand up right now and say, that's me. Awesome, I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand as well. Anybody else that would say, that's me. I see your hand. Very cool. I see your hand in the back as well. Awesome. You can put your hands down. I'm going to say a prayer right now, and this is just you in your own words, just say something like this to God. You're just connecting your heart to His right now. Say, Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that my sin separates me from you. But today, God, I ask you to come into my heart. I ask you to save me. I ask you to change me. I believe in your son Jesus Christ and that he died on the cross for my sins and that he beat death and rose again. I'm tired of living for me. I want to start living for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Can you just give them a round of applause? Doesn't make a decision today. And God is moving it. We had like seven salvations last hour, at least five this hour. Just want to encourage you, if you made that decision, just take a next step. There's a a card in the seat back right there. It just says, life is complicated. We know a guy, his name is Jesus. Fill that out. We have a free gift for you in the Welcome Center. It's this book right here. It's called The Decision. Just walks through some next steps you can take, and then it gives you the Gospel of John. And here to start reading. I want to encourage you, tell someone. Tell someone. It's a really, really awesome, big decision. And I wanna encourage us, church, as we start this series, this series of wilderness, we've been praying about this, we've been planning this for a very, very long time. But it takes the church being the church, it takes us realizing our calling, That is our job to actually invite people that are far from God to a place where they can come and meet Jesus. I wanna encourage you, take an invite card, pray for them. I mean, pray for those people, give them the invite card, invite them to come, but remember, it's a process. That we need to be doing all the time. So more about the series. Here's a quick promo. Of what you're going to see just here in a couple of weeks.
0: Thank you for listening to the Lex City Church podcast. If you would like to support ministries of Lex City, visit lexcity.church/give. Please subscribe and follow us on social media at Lex
1: City Church for more encouraging teachings and content.